I thought since it was picnic day, I would wear the picnic tablecloth. So uh, we are ready to go, ready to go for the picnic. I love the picnic. I love any time we get to hang out and just be the church, enjoying each other's company. I think it's a fun, fun time. It's been always one of my favorite things about church and being involved in church. So I'm glad we're doing this today, and I'm looking forward to it. But before we, I know the grill's already going. Can anybody smell it yet? Because, really? Okay. Well, let's forget about that for just a minute, but <laughs> we are start, we're starting a new series today. It's called Generous, and today we're talking about generous gratitude. You may not normally think of those two things as going together, but they do. In fact, one leads directly into the other. I am thankful this morning. I stand here before you, and I'm always thankful for the opportunity to do that. I... I, I every, <laughs> Not every Sunday, but most Sundays I pinch myself and think, I get to do this with you. It's a privilege, and I'm grateful for it every minute. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this church, and I don't mean the building yet. I'm thankful for you. You're the church, this church, you, this Crown Point Church, these people who are you. Thankful for you because you're generous, you're kind, you're fun. Some of you are very funny, and I enjoy that. Um, you're accepting. You're helpful. You know, when somebody needs something, and, and I, uh, I'll send a quick text out, always people say, yes, I'll be there. I can help. I can do this. I love that about this church. I'm thankful. I am thankful for this building. This is a beautiful, beautiful facility, and it's your church. You, you built this church. You put the money into this building, you made it happen, you take care of it, you provide for everything that's here, and I'm grateful for it. I walk in and I think, this is a beautiful place. And visitor after visitor, and people come and they'll say, wow, this is a gorgeous church. And, you, and usually my response is, it really is. And I can tell sometimes they look at me like, like I'm being arrogant about it. I'm not. I'm also really excited that it's gorgeous and beautiful, and I feel like it's because of you. Uh, yesterday, we had a work day, and I'm so grateful for those who served, for those who served. I was trying to take pictures of them, and a bunch of them said, I don't want my picture taken. I don't want anybody to know I helped. Do you know what? I'm glad they helped. There were, there were three or four people right in here cleaning the carpets by hand. It was amazing. In fact, at one point, I walked in, and uh, I could tell someone had cleaned even the aisleways by hand, and I thought, what? You guys are amazing. The windows in the lobby have, have never looked better, ever. And I've cleaned them many times. I'm just saying they've never looked better than they do now because of the, the people who worked on that. There were, there were doors being fixed, lights being changed. Over 40 fluorescent lights in the kids' area were changed. That's amazing. And then how many of you got those little bugs? Those little, they look like, like ladybugs this winter. Well, the church, we get them really bad, and they fill up the fluorescent lights. It's horrible. You know, and some of, the, some of the secretaries are like, that is gross. And I'm like, yes, it is. We need to get someone to fix that. And that happened yesterday. I was just, it was exciting. We had our Wi-Fi being worked on. There were weeds being pulled. There was, do you know, do you know anybody notice we adopted the street out front of the church? Anybody ever notice that? <laughs> There's a little sign right down just past, almost to the pond down, down by the sports lodge this way. And then there's a sign going, going uh, south just a little ways. And so right in between there, that's our street to, to clean. And so we had four or five people out there picking up trash. And it's amazing. Just let me say what's out there. But yeah, really gross. But still, I mean, we picked up all that trash. And then 
this is my fault. I missed the sign going south. So we did like another, I don't know how far, just for free. Because we're like that. That's who we are. And we love, the, we love the neighborhood and we just want to serve them. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. How many of you know, though, some people struggle with gratitude? Have you noticed that? And it seems like we live in a world that's, <laughs> that's less and less thankful. It's sad, really, because it seems like people don't appreciate what they have. It reminds me of the story I heard about this little boy and... Uh, this, this man had given him an orange. And the mom, what does what mom say? They tell the kid, what do you say? And the little boy handed it back and said, peel it. No. <laughs> That's kind of how our world is today. It's almost like people are so ungrateful. And you walk around and you see and you think, oh, if they only knew how fortunate they were. But it's almost like they have it all backward. And then as Christians, you know, we talk about being thankful for everything, and then that can get kind of out of skew, too, and mis- be misunderstood. I heard the story, too, about these two guys. They were walking in this field. They didn't know where they were going, and all of a sudden, they see this enraged bull. And all they can see is these horns storming at them. So both of them look at each other, and they, oh, we got to get out of here. So they start running, 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 running. And they see the fence, and they look back and see the bull, and they realize, we're not going to make it. And then one guy says to the other guy, you, you need to pray. And he goes, I don't know how to pray. And he goes, well, pray whatever you know how to pray. And he said, he said, Father, for what we are about to receive, make us thankful. <laughs> even over dinner, a lot of times, we get into this habit and we pray, but we don't even mean it because it's just a thing we do. It's, it's almost like the rep- repetition. But the worst thing about it is you meet so many people who seem so entitled. It's as if... Whatever they, whatever they have, they feel like they deserved it anyway. And what they don't have, they feel like they should have. And it's all about things, and they compare and compare. And you really can't be grateful if you feel like you deserved it in the first place. I mean, gratitude is it's something that runs really deep. And what happens with all those things people are so even ungrateful for? Because if they wrap everything up into the things, what they miss is things here on earth are so temporary. I don't care what it is you have. It decays. It gets old. It gets rusty. It breaks. Nothing like that lasts forever. Ultimately, all those things go away. And if, if all of your thankfulness is wrapped up into things like that, it won't last. What's another sad thing is so many great opportunities and things that we have, and they just go unnoticed. It's as if people have wonderful, wonderful things in their life, but then they don't even notice how wonderful it is. Sad because um, we get so used to our modern conveniences and people that are around us, we, we don't even notice how blessed we are to have those people in our lives or maybe our own giftings, and we just take them for granted. And things like health and eyesight and friends, those are precious. Someone once said, people might appreciate sunsets more if you actually had to pay for them. Have you ever considered a sunset or even a sunrise? How many are up and see the sunrises? Anybody? I used to post sunrise pictures all the time, and a couple friends of mine, they said, Thanks for doing this, because I have no idea what those look like. (laughs) 
Have you ever noticed, though, any of you who do appreciate those? They last for minutes. That's it. I mean, you, you see it building, and there's times even in the evening, you know, where the clouds are, are just right, and you think, this could be amazing. And there's a lot of times when we lift up in Liberty, as I would be driving uh, north in the afternoon, there's a spot there as I would start to cross the river where sometimes if the clouds were building just right, I would actually pull over and wait because there was just a window three, four minutes long where it would be the best. And I'm kind of a geek, I realize that, but I would take 20 pictures in that three or four or five minutes, and then I would go through them all to decide which was best. Have you ever thought about why would God do that? Why would he create a world where you have this incredible, fathomless beauty for three or four minutes a day? And not every day. But he gives it to us, but it happens all the time. And there's so many times where you may be driving or going about your business, or maybe you're inside and you don't even know what happened, and somebody might post it online, and you think, oh, wow, that happened out there today. And yeah, it did, but it's this long. It's this long. It just goes unnoticed. And then there's times where you do notice, but, but your gratitude goes unspoken. And I know that there's times where we're grateful for things, and you see it, and you appreciate it, and you may even write it down, but you never express it. As someone has said, that unexpressed gratitude really doesn't do anybody any good. And there's people all around you who, who daily pour into your life or daily provide for you, and there's times where we don't even thank them. I, I don't know if this happened to any of the other people who were picking up trash on the street, but there was a few people that slowed down, and I thought, oh, no, I'm, I'm making them too cautious or I'm scaring them or something, you know. And they actually said, thank you. And I thought, well, that's why. I didn't expect to be thanked for this because that's not why we were doing it. But I thought, well, that's nice. I mean, someone actually thanked us for doing what we were doing here. And I, there's times we do that. Now, all that is kind of on maybe on the negative side, but have you ever known anybody who just had unbridled gratitude? I mean, unbridled. Now, maybe that term is not familiar to you. How many like horses or been around horses or whatever? There's something about a horse. I don't know if you've, I know my sister and my dad, they were all into horses. My sister trained them a long time. And there were times where you take that bridle off their face and you, you know, you move, you know, the bit out of their mouth and they just kind of frolic around for a minute. Have You ever seen that? And they kick up their feet and it, that is the kind of gratitude that we're talking about today. Unbridled, where you're free to express it any way, and it just, it just bubbles out all over you. I mean, it's the kind of gratitude that you can't even keep on the inside. You know what I've noticed? That there's certain people who burst like that. And then one thing that I've also seen is there's people that their love for Jesus and what he's done for them, it turns into this kind of unbridled expression of gratitude. I was, I was reading through scripture, and as I've been doing this Bible reading plan I do, I've, I, I've been noticing something about Paul himself, Paul, the apostle Paul, his writings. Because he wrote, maybe, you, maybe you're aware of this, maybe you're not, he wrote more books in the New Testament than anybody else. Now Luke, the author of, of Luke and Acts, he wrote more total verses, but Paul wrote more actual books because some of his were shorter letters, that kind of thing. In his writings, though, Paul's writing, he uses a phrase over and over and over. And when I first noticed it, you know, depending on what version you read it in, sometimes it sounds uh, more unbridled than others. But let me just assure you, Paul's gratitude to God was unbridled. I want to show you a few of these verses. It says, this is in the NIV, he says, thanks be to God 
who delivers me through Christ Jesus. You're going to start to see a theme here about the source of his unbridled gratitude. He says in Romans 6, thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. And then in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. And then in 2 Corinthians 9.15, he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. (laughs) Then in 1 Corinthians 15, this is kind of a longer one, 51 to 57, he says, Listen, listen, I want to tell you a mystery we will not all sleep, meaning, meaning die and go in the grave, but we will all be changed. And in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Wait for it. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I mean, he shouts it, exclamation point. He gives us the victory over death and the grave through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is he thanking God for? What what was he thanking God for in all those other verses? Did you catch it? I'm glad you didn't, because otherwise the sermon would be done and we'd just go eat. What's he thanking God for here? He says right here, the sting of sin and the power of sin is, the, is death, and then the power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory over death in the grave. He's thankful. He is so thankful. What I'm thinking I've noticed about people, maybe you learned this when you were in school and they said, you know, what do you take notes on? Well, if the teacher repeats it, right? Or if the teacher writes it on the board, you want to take notes. Paul is writing it on the board for us, and he's repeating it over. It's just flowing out of him. When he writes these letters, he's, he's, it's just flowing out of who he is. There's no mistaking. Now, there's a legend told about Paul. There's a lot of stories that have risen up over the centuries, but this one I think is true. It's not in the Bible, but I love this story. The story goes that a very wealthy merchant wanted to meet this preacher he had heard about. Because Paul, if you know his story, he traveled around and started church after church after church after church. And then once when he was back in Jerusalem, they were, they were trying to accuse him of, of blasphemy and all these things. <clears throat> and God used that opportunity to have him eventually appear even before Caesar. So he was sentenced to death or was going to be, and he appealed to Caesar. So he ends up in Rome, and he spent years in a Roman prison. It was during that time that this merchant was looking to meet this preacher. So he runs, this is the story, he runs into Timothy, who was Paul's protege, and when he runs into Timothy, Timothy arranges a meeting with Paul. So he goes and he meets Paul in his prison cell, and they talk for hours, hours and hours. And when he comes out, the story goes that he talks to Timothy and he says, what is the secret to that man? And Timothy says, what do you mean? And he says, well, he's in chains but he's more free than I will ever be. He's in chains, but all he could talk about was the love of his Savior. (laughs) And Timothy said, well, isn't it obvious? And he said, obvious? What do you mean? And he said, Paul's in love. 
He says, in love, in love with Jesus. You get it? When you're in love with Jesus, you can't help but be grateful for what he's done. And Paul, Paul is somebody who not only was he in love with Jesus, but he had good reason to be grateful for all that God had done for him. Because the fact is, the things that Paul had done before were, were pretty bad. I mean, he was, he was a very famous person right about the time that the disciples started spreading the good news of Jesus. He was trained as a rabbi. He was an up-and-comer, you might say, in the Jewish religious hierarchy. And when he heard about this upstart religion and heard how it was twisting a little bit Judaism, he, he felt personally like he needed to squash it. And we know from the Bible that he was present at the stoning of the very first Christian martyr at Stephen, Stephen's death, and it says that he held the coats. We know that he persecuted Christians. We know that, that he went and he, he got letters from the, the, the officials in Jerusalem because he heard it was spreading even to Damascus, the capital of Syria, and he wanted to go squash it there. And we know that on the way there is when he met Jesus. When he met Jesus, the Bible says that there was a bright light, and he fell to the ground, and he heard this voice saying, Paul, well, his name was Saul at the time. Jesus changed it to Paul. I don't want to confuse you, but he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul automatically answers, and he said, Lord, who are you? (laughs) I'd probably answer that way too. Lord, who are you? And Jesus tells him, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Don't want you to miss this little tidbit there. He was persecuting the church. He's, Jesus said, you're persecuting me. We're the church. Jesus, see that communion or that connection? In the King James and the NIV, it says something like this. Jesus says, why do you continue to kick against the goads? You know what it was? Jesus had been after Paul for a long time. I wonder if that some of those days, even maybe on that, on that march and walk to Damascus, that I wonder if there's some doubt springing up. Because I'll bet you every time he persecuted a Christian and grabbed him, all he saw was incredible gratitude. And when he expected them to be sniveling and, and giving up their faith, they clung to it even more. And I'll bet you that picture of when they were stoning Stephen, as you know the story in the Bible where it says, Stephen looks up to heaven and he says, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I bet that rung in his ears. So when Jesus said to him, why do you kick against the goads? He's telling him, why do you keep fighting this? You know that I will give you a love that you will never be able to overcome. And I'll bet you that added somewhat to Paul's sense of guilt. And the Bible tells us that he was blinded and he had to be guided by hand. And then when he he gets ultimately to Syria, to Damascus, that there's a disciple there who prays for him. His name was Ananias and something like scales fell from his eyes. And Paul knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that his sins had been forgiven. 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 But he knew he had been forgiven for a lot. He knew that he... He had a lot to be forgiven for. He, he tells Timothy here in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 15, he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He says, he says in the next verse, but for that very reason, because he was the worst, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience 
as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Bottom line, Paul loved much because he had been forgiven much. The reason he had that unbridled gratitude was because he couldn't hold it in because he knew who he'd been and he knew what God had forgiven him for and he knew what God had made him into. He couldn't couldn't hold it back because it it just poured out of everything. I want you to notice in all those scriptures we read about his, his thankfulness, never one time did he say, God, thank you for my house. Thank you for my car. Right? Because those things weren't what he was so thankful for. Those are important things, and we should be grateful for those things. And we all have more than most of the world has, and I, I understand that. And be grateful for those things. What I want us to see today is that the source of your gratitude should flow first and foremost and most from what God has done for you. Because there's nothing that can compare to that. What it comes down to is amazing grace and forgiveness that every one of us have received And when you know more fully what that means and what he's done, you can't help but be grateful. It's going to flow out of you. So how about you? Let's think about it for a minute. Thinking about that grace and forgiveness, let's let's just start raising hands and tell what God has forgiven us. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you put your hands up right away. I'm not looking for that really, but let's think about this for a minute. Some of you may be sitting there and think, okay, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but my past... I ra- it was hard, and it, and it wasn't fair, and it was, you know what? I know you are who you are because of the past. We, I believe that there's times where, you know, things happen to us, and God uses those things to make us amazing ministers of the gospel. I don't think Paul would have been as an effective uh, apostle and missionary had he not had the past he had. Had he not been the one that persecuted Christians, he wouldn't have known what it was like. Do you know how much persecution he endured? I mean, he lists it at one point in Scripture how many times he had been stoned and thrown out. and I mean, all of these things, beaten with rods, imprisoned, shipwrecked. He knew what it was like, and God uses that for amazing things. I heard this saying the other day, we can complain that roses have thorns, or we could be grateful that thorny bushes have roses. Maybe your life and your past has been a thorny bush, but look at the rose you are today and look what God can do with that and look how beautiful it is. You know what I think we should do is in looking at our past, think about it, remember it, build on it, use it, let God's faithfulness see the past as a canceled note. I know for a lot of us, there's, Incredible gratitude in looking at what he's brought us through in the past. Something else I, I want us to be grateful for is you, yourself, right now. I don't know how many of you have had this experience, but there's times when I'll talk to somebody, and, and they might be down on themselves, or they might be dissatisfied with where they're at in life, and I'm standing there thinking, clearly they do not see what I see. I mean, I see things in you that I'm amazed at, and I see qualities that I envy in a really good, godly way. I wish I was that, or I could do that, or I wish I had those gifts or skills. And so many times we look at ourselves and we criticize maybe physical appearance, or maybe we compare ourselves to somebody else's abilities. And and when we do that, we're not being grateful for what God has given us and the very unique way he's created us. 
Because he's created each of us with a specific gift set in a specific way. He made you how he made you. And sometimes we fight so hard to be someone he didn't make us that we deprive the body of Christ and each other from what he did make us to be. Be grateful for that. I want to encourage you to also be grateful for your future. God's given you a future, and it's bright. He wants to do things in you that you could never imagine. There's scripture that says greater than you could ever imagine. I can imagine pretty good things, but what he wants is better. He wants things for you that you haven't even thought of yet. He wants to do things in and through you that are more about him and maybe less about you. <laughs> Sometimes we look at other people's successes and, and you, might, you might resent it or think, God, why, not, why them and not me? I feel like sometimes God is whispering in your ear. You're you're tuning it out, but he's saying, I've got things for you too. Different things, but things for you, created for you to do. You know what I challenge us to do? I want to challenge us to be noticers. Noticers. Kind of a corny word. In fact, uh, (laughs) my computer kept trying to correct it. It was so annoying. And I kept going back, and it kept correcting it. And I said, no, I want that word. And, um, excuse me, noticer. I want you to be a noticer. I heard this, another corny story, but maybe you've seen this happen. But I've, I've been in family dinners where they, you know, they always say, who's going to pray? Let's have the five-year-old pray. You ever had that happen? And sometimes it's cute, and, you know, they got to rehearse prayer, and sometimes they, you know, pray or whatever. But I heard this story about this kid. He was praying, and he, it was over Thanksgiving, and so he's got the bird out there on the table, and he, so he, he knows what he's supposed to do. So he starts to pray, and he says, God, thank you. Or no, he didn't say God. He says, thank you for the turkey. And we haven't eaten it yet, but I know it's going to taste good. And thanks... Thanks for mom and all the hard work. And he's going on and on, and people are like, oh, my goodness, we're hungry. And thanks for dad that he could go and and buy it at the store. And thanks that there's a store, and it's got so many turkeys. And there's people who work there, and they stock the store, and people who clean up, and the, the checker who sold it to us, and then the farmer who raised the turkey, and the grain, and the person who grew the grain, and then the tractors, and then the trucks, and then there's the roads, and then the trucks that drive on the roads, and... So he goes on and on and on and on. Then he says, did I leave anybody out? And that's when his brother says, God, you left God. And that's what we do. We miss the one behind it all, that grace and forgiveness. That's where it all starts. Dave, could you put some music on for us just to think for a minute? You know what I think? I, I read this quote. It kind of spooked me out a little bit. What if you woke up today with only what you thanked God for yesterday? Isn't that a weird thought? What if if all you had today was what you remembered to be grateful for yesterday? I think that would change how we live, wouldn't it? And God gives us such grace because, I mean, there's times where if if you had to pay the price for, for ingratitude right away, I mean, it would change things a lot. But God gives us that open door and a window to come back and say, God, I'm thankful what would it be like if, if we were noticers this week? And if for, for the things that we've taken for granted, we would be thankful for. And not hold it in and, and forget to express it, but, but actually to say it. To say, thank you. Thank you. Not, you don't have to be that dramatic because that might mess it up. But just be genuinely grateful for every little thing. 
want you to shut your eyes for a minute, if you could. Paul was unbridled in his gratitude. I want to be like that, and I want to be like that for the things that Paul was unbridled about, and that was what God had done in him. The grace and forgiveness that he had received because he had sinned much. He'd been forgiven much, so he loved much. So one question to you today, have you been forgiven much? Let me just ask it this way. If you, like me, have been forgiven much, could you just raise your hand for a second? Let's just express our gratitude to him for a moment. God, we are so grateful. We realize that we're so undeserving of your grace. God, I want my life to be defined by my gratefulness to you in the way I treat people I encounter, in the way I treat the things I have and the people who are around me and and the gifts that you've given me. God, I want to be grateful for all of those things in the right measure, in the measure with which you've given me. In Jesus' name, I pray that for all of us. Amen. Amen. God bless you today.